And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. It is Tuesday, October 12th. We have three more playoff games on the slate today. We have an eliminated Tampa Bay Rays team to discuss. The Red Sox closing out that series three games to one on Monday night, part of a fantastic day of baseball. Yeah, we were robbed of the the four-game day that we wanted, but the three games we had, I think, delivered. They didn't make me all... They didn't all make me happy, but they no. delivered to the <laughs> baseball-loving fan, is what I will say. Uh, did, yeah. Hey, how did our picks do? I think we all called... The Sox, didn't we? Yes. I think we were all in agreement on a lot of picks yesterday, except yeah. for the Brewers. Yeah. And then, and what did we, I said? Brewers would win. Yeah. Same. Got that one wrong. Yep. So Britt definitely has the upper hand in terms of picks on this show. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's been very clear recently. But uh, the touch. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's like when, like, your friend who knows nothing about sports is winning fantasy football, right? Like playoffs are just, it's not knowledge. It's just like straight guesswork. I didn't say it. Uh, <laughs> kind of how you guys are like, all right. Really nice of you to, no, to throw no, that out like there that for us. All. It's not like that at all. I mean, I, like, no, I, I think the Giants they're... to win the series and they're mm, one win away now. So, crazy. but did I just do that to be the opposite of you guys? Or I don't know. Not? Don't turn this into some kind of like, Head game Mental situation. Yeah, we, we, we don't need that. Because like, then, then I'm going to start thinking about trying to be different, and then I'll pick a team I don't even like to win games, but then I might be right, and then I'll be totally I'll in my head. pressured into year. calling a Brewers sweep because you're calling me the king of waffles. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm keeping that up. <laughs> I mean, you have control over that situation, so you can change it if you want to. But That's right. Let's start with that Red Sox-Rays game. I mean, this had some surprises in it. Eduardo Rodriguez, I did say it kind of in passing. I thought there was at least a chance he could pitch deep into the game because he was so quick to get removed from game one. So I think in a weird way, like that decision in game one maybe saved the Red Sox because he actually showed up and pitched very well in game four. But it wasn't just that. I thought the most surprising thing of all, we knew the Rays pitching was on fumes. We talked about it yesterday. I think we sat here for a minute and said, how exactly are they going to get 27 outs today after the extra innings game and given the current state of their pitching staff? Of all the things that I thought they wouldn't do, I didn't think they'd bring Shane McClanahan into the game early. I thought if they had a spot where they were up maybe two or something late in the game, seventh inning sometime around then, and they did two or three innings to close it out, maybe then McClanahan would enter and you try to just end the series in four if the Rays had played it out that way. They decided to use him early, and unfortunately for the Rays and for Kevin Cash, that decision backfired in a pretty big way. Yeah. Uh, to me, we kind of called this, right? Like, there's a lesson here, and it's that your 
your bullpen can't be your only pitchers. You can't just be a team of bullpen arms. And they ran out of, of starters. They didn't really have starters to begin with. And I think this game kind of magnified that issue. Now, we can argue about if they had only lost in nine innings two nights ago, would it have mattered? Would McClanahan have been better? It, you know, like we, we can go into like certain things, I guess. But to me, the issue was that the Rays ran out of pitchers. And the Red Sox didn't. They had Pavetta. They had Eduardo Rodriguez, who kind of like the unsung hero, kind of like lost in the shuffle a little bit because he what didn't make it out of the second inning the first time around and then was able to go five or into the sixth. And they really probably figured, hey, this guy's probably going to go two or three max. I mean, Alex Cora said they hope to get him 15 outs. Uh, so I think when you look at the Red Sox, they're not a team that we sit here and say, ooh, ah, over their rotation, right? They're not the Brewers. They're not, they're not some of these other clubs. But they were able to outlast because they had more rotation-type pitchers than Tampa Bay did. And to me, it's just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing is like uh, you re-racked uh, another game with Eduardo Rodriguez starting against the same lineup, uh, same team. And instead of going one and two thirds and being hit out of the game, he he went five. So some of this is just is kind of randomness. Right. Um, and then the other thing that I, I have to say about that is that I, I'm not sure I I'm going to look through the game logs a little bit, but uh, my memory of the series, I'm not sure like when they should have left a guy in longer. You know what I mean? Like, like was, there, was there a tactical decision made? Was with there the a moment staff or, where they or, should have let? Mm. McHugh was not really that stretched out either. I'm just saying like oh. from the, you're saying like they didn't have enough rotation type arms. And I agree that they kind of ran out of pitching, but what what I think back, I'm like, well, I would have taken Drew Rasmussen out after three if I was them because he, he'd given up three and he wasn't striking guys out. And that seemed about as good as he would do. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have left Luis Patino in longer or, or brought him in earlier. Uh, I don't know. Like this, I just don't know where they should have like left a guy in longer. Now, I think maybe the, the real question that you're that you're talking about is that like most of their guys are stretched out to about 80 pitches. Like they, they kind of have 80 pitch guys. So even if they had left them in longer, they couldn't have gotten more than 80 pitches. They seem to sort of stretch guys to 80, whereas other teams stretch guys to 100 and 120. So, yes. but I, but I don't know how that mattered in the series because there wasn't a moment where I was like, man, they took this guy out then. No, there wasn't a single moment where I was like, wow, they took him out way too early. Right? No, I think in terms right. of pitching management, the only decision from the series that really comes to mind as a hmm, not sure I would have done that was the use of McClanahan yesterday that was pretty much it and again what else were they supposed to do Josh Fleming you to throw Josh Fleming for a couple gonna be, is either gonna be Rasmussen on less rest right? yeah yeah or Fleming yeah, yeah. This we is... talked about this though this is a personnel issue you're right it's not like a oh Kevin Cash should have done this and not that this was yeah, not I... having Charlie Morton not having Tyler Glass now not having Blake Snell, not having like a chance to have a starter pitch in six or seven innings. That's right. what it, this was. And then you play a 13 inning game. And I do think if they had lost in nine, this maybe is a different game last night, but they were the way they're set up. They rely on their bullpen so much. They're not built to withstand these extra inning games. And then they don't have a starter on the bound the next day. Who's going to eat up innings to help the bullpen. Right? So th this was almost like the worst case scenario for them. 
when I they think, lost that extra uh, inning game. So much of this just seems Max like is, it's Tyler Glass now, though. Like, yeah. Tyler Glass now's injury is the thing deal. that you you just didn't see coming. And I think maybe that's what made me surprised. And, and this is something that Max Bay is putting into the, the stream. The Rays could have used Rich Hill. I was surprised when they traded Rich Hill to the Mets because Rich Hill seemed like he fit that that bridge, that veteran that you could just throw out there and, and get five innings kind of whenever you needed it. That that was the thing that surprised me at the time they made the trade. And I think even just having him, how much more do you trust Rich Hill than Josh Fleming in a spot like the one you were in last I night wonder, where you had to use McClanahan? I wonder if they panicked when they saw his RPM tank after July 1st. Uh, he ended up being a, a very decent pitcher for the Mets, and he would have had that middle relief type length where he could have gone three or four for them and been really clutch for them uh, in this series. I think that one's good. I also think what Carter Rogers is here is saying is true. It's yeah. it's not that Baz and Rasmussen couldn't have gone 80. They were starters. They were their starter types. The problem was they just didn't go 80. You know, they just they didn't go as far as they could. Um, and I, but I would have taken yeah. both those guys out when I did when they were taken out because they just they weren't being they weren't as effective. Right. If yeah. even one of those guys pitched deeper into their start, yesterday's strategy, yesterday's available pitchers plays out uh, quite a bit differently. So that's definitely a, a good point to to bring up. Uh, interesting here too. Uh, Erod said he had no command in Game One. This is from uh, Steve Jazul in the, the live stream. Must have been totally different last night. I mean, yeah, he was hitting his spots. Erod piling up K's early when that's happening. That's good Erod. That's the Erod that you want to go get in free agency. He'll be available this winter, by the way, and not sure he's actually staying in Boston. Might be a good second tier starting pitcher for someone to go out there and get. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a little bit of a comment on command versus stuff. I think. If you go out there and you have you have good stuff and your command is in and out, then at least you can rely on stuff, you know, in a game and and gut it out. I think of like Max Scherzer, right? I don't think he had great command in that in that first start against was it the Giants? What was the, the one where he got game? taken out? Yeah, the wild card, the wild game. card game. I don't think he had great command in that game, but he has good stuff. So he kind of got through five innings and and it was one run. It was like a good start. Uh, he was much better last night. But I think command comes and goes. And Erod is like mostly command. So when he yeah. doesn't have command, it's, it, that's when he has the blowups and, and is out in, in two innings. But when he does have command, it's, it's kind of fun to watch. In, in fact, watching him last, uh, last yesterday, last night, I, I thought of like, I think command is actually sometimes better to watch than stuff. Like good command the the pitcher breezes along like hits their spots like keeps it moving like the game goes quicker and like it it doesn't seem as like brute force-ish and this guy is just trying to throw 99 every time you know what i mean like yeah i don't know i kind of think a, a command artist is maybe a little bit more fun to watch than someone who has much more stuff than command uh, uh, go ahead brit uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you like it selfishly because the game moves faster. And listen, I do too. Like, give me, Mark, give me Mark Burley all day. Like, that guy grabs the ball, throws it again. Like, don't blink. Don't get up and get a drink. Meanwhile, I got up and got a snack and missed, I think, two pitches. I was gone for like 10 minutes. You know, uh -huh. that's just the game now. So I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think there has to be a little bit of a mix. Certainly, mm -hmm. I think command guys last longer in the league versus the pure stuff guys. Yeah. Um, because they know how yeah. to pit, you know, the old know how to pitch adage. Mm. Um, 
I, I do think we're talking about the Rays losing, but the Boston, this is not the Boston team I saw the last week of the season. Like they've played so much better. I don't want to say above their skis because we saw this early on in the regular season and Derek kind of thought they were going to be much better than, than I did. Certainly. I, I can't remember where Eno was on this Red Sox line, but um, probably both sides. Lineup, yeah, Bingo. probably. Uh, <laughs> to me, this Red Sox lineup is just um, if they get the pitching, which they got this series, their, their lineup's never been a question. They're a deep lineup. That's hard to navigate because there's not a whole lot of like dead spots. Um, and they're really good with two strikes. So they're, they're a little similar to to Houston in that they they really work opposing pitchers. Um, and I wonder if it becomes, if Astros win today and it becomes a, a, a Houston-Boston um, ALCS, I think we're in for like a lot of fun. I think the, the Red Sox, like usually it, it's easy to hate them, but they're like a borderline likable team to me. I was thinking that watching them race down in the laundry cart in the dugout, like they're kind of a likable team, right? Cause they weren't supposed to be good. And they've got some, some young guys mixed in with some like random veterans that we all kind of thought like, Oh, this is an in-between year. It's like a gap year for Boston. And these guys are getting it done. And I kind of find myself not hating them as much as I normally hate a Red Sox team in the playoffs. So I ask you to this, like, is this Red Sox team kind of likable? So relative to other Red Sox teams, not relative to yes. the general population or just other baseball teams. I mean, yes, K- yes, we grade on a curve. Kike's, I think Kike is a is a fun character. He's got a lot of energy, makes funny faces. You know, is very expressive, uh, and is hot as as hot as right now. Hmm. Hot as um, on fire. <laughs> Good choice. Better choice there. Let's leave that one out in in the cut. Um, no, but uh, uh, I think Xander Bogarts is an amazing player. Uh, he's kind of cool, calm, and collected. Um, and uh, and Devers is 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 a fun player to to watch. So, yeah, I, you know, they're just um, they get they're expressive with each other, uh, but they're not necessarily other than Kike. They're not as necessarily expressive out on the field. Um, so. I don't know. You can read that either way. Sometimes people will get, you know, get really annoyed with the expression. or just like, Oh, those guys celebrate every little thing or whatever. I think it's a fun team. I think they're, they're really good. One thing that surprised me was when I looked that they were kind of, I thought their offense would have done really well. You know, I thought they would have had one of the top three offenses. They're more like a top five, top six offense uh, in the league this year. Right now they feel like a, like the best offense in the postseason. I mean, toe-to-toe with Houston that's kind of a coin flip on that side I would say pitching geez I'm thinking about a possible matchup there I think I like Houston's staff a little more but that gap is pretty narrow part of that's the current situation with Chris Sale he has not been pre-injury Chris Sale since coming back for the most part and of course a lot of recency bias with what we saw from him in game two making me feel even worse about Chris Sale right now but yeah that does feel like the ALCS matchup that we're likely to get with the Astros up 2-1 on the White Sox. And uh, not much has changed with that postponed game except for the starter for Houston. Lance McCullers gets to go in place of Jose Urquidy. White Sox are going to stick with Carlos Rodon in this one. So I'm just kind of curious. That just moves the needle further towards the Astros. Yeah, Yeah. what about that? Yeah, how much more do you like Houston right now? A lot more. Are you guys... I don't know. Sorry. You know, are you guys surprised? Cause I saw that and read it twice yesterday on Twitter. Like, why would you stick with him? Well, I guess what were their other options really throw Lance Lynn out there again? 
on three days rest or well yeah. Lynn, Lynn's on the same amount of rest as in the colors so but I, I looking at how he has matched up with the Astros both yeah. in game one and earlier this season I'm not sure that's the matchup you want either I I still think we're looking at Rodon over under about nine and a half outs and probably some kind of Ronaldo Lopez plus relievers plan to get through it because I even still see Lynn and maybe maybe the spot will be right where it makes sense to use Lynn if you're protecting a a three or four run lead you know let's say you get to McCullers you open up an early lead Rodon gets you through the first three innings do you want to go to Lynn and have Lynn try to push four or five innings and get you all the way to the late relievers and then you can use your entire bullpen or whatever mix of of other starters yeah Giolito and your full bullpen in game five like that gives you some options too the quick turnaround makes it a little tougher because you don't have that day of rest built in you get the day of rest early but I, I think Houston definitely has more of an upper hand with McCullers and Arquiti everybody would agree to that uh, but I, I I just wonder they're what trying can the White it. Sox what can the White Sox yeah. do differently against McCullers with their approach to change their fortunes this time around against him good question something i think they're not that well suited to which is uh be very disciplined and not swing so much because mccullers once one weakness is um walks. not the best command yeah walks yeah 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 that's that's fair but it's just not the best team for that so i wonder if like you could do something <laughs> like stick andrew vaughn in even though andrew vaughn is much better against lefties but just stick him in just to get that get a walk or two you know um yeah i don't know i mean to me the best thing they can do is get to that bullpen like he can't go deep into the game like he did in one because can't to me their bullpen astros is still kind of being like not that great they, they've they've certainly gotten hit they haven't been dominant so if you can get force them to use graveman in like the fifth sixth inning you have a chance at winning that game I, I don't that's, know how you yeah, get that's there. That's why I think the walks matter, right? You like grind McCullers. Yeah. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be a little bit tired. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is sort of grind him. Would you follow McCullers with Urquidy, though, since he was originally going to start this game? If McCullers struggles and only goes three or four, does Urquidy pick it up from there and, and bridge the gap? <laughs> I think both teams are going to manage this like a elimination game. Yeah. Because it's there with the off. The, you mentioned it, Derek, with no off day. Tomorrow, um, do you really want to win this game? Because you're on a real bad spot tomorrow. Tomorrow would be the most bizarre coin flip, right? Tired pitching staff, um, not really ideal. You'd have to go to Houston, both teams. Um, I think both of these teams are going to manage this like their season is on the line, even though it's only on the line for the White Sox. Yeah, and that's the one thing that why the criticism of the Rays doesn't land as much for me is that I think the thing that the Rays did, I think everyone's doing it now. The, the thing that the Rays did, which is, you know, manage like every game is your last game and get the ne- get the next out. That's how people do the playoffs now. Right. Mm-hmm. So like we were just talking, Lynn is Lynn is on board because there is no tomorrow. So, you know, you're going to if you have to use Lynn, you're going to use Lynn, you know. And like what we saw in the Rays game yesterday, they used everybody they had. They didn't say there was nobody saved. I guess Drew Rasmussen was saved for the next day. That was it. So, uh, yeah, I think generally anybody on the staff is is available at all times in the playoffs now. That's that's what we've learned recently. Uh, so I think, yeah, we could see anybody in that game. I, I And I think we might actually see Arcady. 
because I, I think McCullers will be tired. So I don't think the McCullers, I think they might run him out for four. And who's going to get you three to get to the back end of the bullpen? It's Urquidy or Javier yeah. or both. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think the the bigger question I have for playoff pitching plans, if you're going to manage this way, if most teams are going to lean on a smaller number of pitchers once they get to the postseason, should you go through a walkthrough or two at some point during the season to answer some of the questions that you run into? Should you test it out prior to the postseason and make sure you like what happens in various scenarios? <laughs> Just designate a series. It's like this guy. We're gonna do this like a playoff series. Everybody on deck. Yeah, yeah. You probably have no. some. You probably have some stretch of the schedule where you get that Monday Thursday off day thing where you could actually plan for this. Like it, it just seems weird to run your team to manage pitchers a certain way for 162 games to get to the postseason and have a totally different script. And I think it, the way you build the team, obviously, you have to get through the 162 to even make October baseball happen. But I'm just sitting there thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, are, are teams as prepared for handling the pitching staffs the way they do in the postseason as they could be or should be? No, I don't think you you don't prepare for it. You can't simulate October baseball with a series in they, May. Yeah, they you won't just even, can't. They won't even have the adrenaline that you kind of need. It's, yeah, it's it not work, close. Right? Yeah. yeah, and guys are throwing right now, tired, exhausted. On it's pure adrenaline right now when you got to October. So again, you can't simulate that. The packed crowds, the way that everything's on the line. Like, no, guys know once they get to October, there are no more roles. Like that's been a thing for the last. That's not a new thing. Yeah. That's been a thing, right, for a while. So like what the we'll Nationals did the Nationals in nineteen. Won, what the how the yeah. Red Sox even won when the Red Sox won. They used the Evaldi, you know, in relief. And... Back, back in 2008, Tampa Bay put David Price in the bullpen. This is like not a new like mm-hmm. thing to do crazy stuff or to find way, best arms to get the outs. I do think it's a little more magnified in the short series. We're not going to see managers in the seven game series manage game, game a game three like it's win or go home, right? Maybe, we yeah. are going to see that in potential elimination games. Um, I kind of think it's coming the from the seven series. game series too. Like I, I agree with you that it's not I new, don't. but I think that then it's the norm now. It wasn't always the norm. It's not the norm. It's I, I would be shocked though if you do that in a game three, you can't crush your team and go all in on a game three when you could potentially play seven. Maybe if you're down two zero, if team's down two zero, but like these one one tie, you're not going to see that next round. Well, you see, you see some teams um, kind of me- like kind of throw a game away. Like to win one, right? They'll 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 be like, well, we'll just like I remember the Dodgers. There was like sh- in one series, there was like, should we use Urias 
or when 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 are we going to you do the bullpen day? Because they were going to do a bullpen day in a seven game series. There was one day that was going to be a bullpen day last year. Last year uh, was it last year or was it was it the year before? I mean, the Dodgers have been in the postseason every year. It's like I don't know which one it was, but they had to they had to decide when the bullpen day was, and they like went for it in one game in a way like bringing in a starter or something in a way that was like tomorrow's a bullpen day now. So I, I do think that they they kind of still kind of go for it in yeah. seven game series. But I, I agree also that they have to think about you know tomorrow more. Well, I I think again, and this isn't me saying I don't like the strategy. It's more wondering like, is there anything else you can do to prepare yourself for how unusual this is? And I think one of the reasons I started to think about it was because of what happened in the Braves Brewers game. There was a crossroads decision that Craig Council had to make. It wasn't an easy choice. Runners on second and third, one out. Freddie Peralta had pitched really well. It was the fifth inning. He went to his bench. He went to Dan Volgeback. Volgeback hit a ground ball. Run didn't score. Brewers didn't get any runs. They had to go to the pen. And they had to go to the pen quickly. And they went to Adrian Hauser. Adrian Hauser's a starter. Adrian Hauser hasn't been getting up and getting hot and getting ready to pitch quickly the way a reliever has. And I wondered if that was one of those things where... That difficult last-second decision, because they hadn't really gone through that process before, maybe made Hauser a, a lot less oh. effective than he might have been if he'd been mm. up and ready to go. Uh, th- no. I, you know, no, but I, maybe. But I, I think that th- there's something there that you could practice, which is maybe down the stretch, uh, a throw day for a, for a starter. Uh, you make them pretend like they're coming into the game. Could work. And so you're like, you know, for your throw day today, instead of throwing in the bullpen leisurely like you normally do at your own pace or whatever, you hang out in the bullpen today and we're just going to randomly call you one inning and you have to get hot. And that'll be your that'll be your throw day for the day. We're not going to put you in the game, but you just have to get hot. There might be some pitches out there that haven't gotten hot really quickly. I think. No, I see someone's making fun of me for the no eye roll like. Again, you could do, you could practice this all you want. It's not the same as, it's just not the same. Um, when you're, when you're covering these teams and you're around these teams, the feel in October is totally different. So I have no problem with council making that move. You need to hit there. You need, you need offense. Uh, they could have, and maybe should have anticipated once, you know, once a guy gets on, you have some, you have, you have him start to get up and I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the rush job in terms of getting that starter ready. I think if you brought a starter in in the middle of an inning with runners on, now we're talking about fish out of water, but he started the inning. It was a clean mm-hmm. inning. I mean, maybe he wasn't warmed up enough. Uh, and that would factor in. But again, I don't think this is something you practice in June. Um, I think this is a situation that comes up and you're a starter, you know, you're going to be called on and you're used to start the inning. It's not that different. The only issue to me was the timing of it. Maybe they should have said to him, Hey, we get somebody on, you're getting up. Yeah. We get someone on, you're yeah. getting up. That's it. Maybe That's you it. should start throwing in the fourth because if we get somebody on anywhere in we the third or fourth, on. just start lightly throwing, just start getting ready. You know, yeah, get that call in early. Because yeah. he's getting about the sixth. Catch. Maybe he's not getting in. Right. Exactly. You'd rather have him ready and not used than the reverse, which is potentially what we saw yesterday. So, but again, I don't think you practice. I don't. I just don't think you can practice that. I think if you could, it's like managers always talk about the ninth inning, right? And how different the ninth inning is. And I remember uh, Buck Showalter used to say, like, I wish you could bottle up that ninth inning emotion and give it to a guy in the sixth inning or the seventh inning. It's just not the same. It's the same thing 
to me, when it comes to these like really important October games, you just cannot simulate that at all mm. as much as you would want to. So yeah, and I think we, we can focus a lot on those like those crucial moments, but it's it's still the Brewers' offense, man. I mean, it's yeah, they got to score some runs. You know, it's, it's the '95 Braves' offense, and well, it's it's going to be a sweat. Now today is going to be interesting because. Atlanta's throwing Charlie Morton on short rest. It's going to be Eric Lauer going for the Brewers. And Charlie Morton has only gone on short rest like twice in his career, I think. Yeah. Uh, if, if, is this the right call? I mean, obviously, we'll know in a few hours if it was a good idea or not. But is this what you would do looking at the state of Atlanta's pitching staff? You can go first on this one, you know. With Wasker, you know, I think yes, because you 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 throw Morton, you see what you got. If you get three innings, then you throw Wasker for two or whatever. I think it. I think it makes sense. It, Charlie Morton on short rest is probably still better than Wasker Enoa. Britt? Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Know, um, Derek, did you feel like? I don't know. Maybe this is like a consolation prize, but did, I, I know Yelich had a hit yesterday. It seemed like there was some really hard contact. The Braves' defense made some really nice plays. Did you feel like maybe the Brewers' offense is? coming alive is getting better. I'm not honestly coming alive because they're like, that's too strong, but they did have some really good at bats and they had some really good contact. I mean, there were the five line drives for the five Go best ahead. exit velocities in the game were brewers. Yeah. So I know they lost that game, but to me, if, if Morton is just a tick down on the short rest, like I could see the brewers stealing this one. Because I think the offense, as as frustrating as it's been to watch, you watch that game, and I rewatched it this morning, just kind of like the condensed version. And when you watch it condensed like that, you're like, God, the Brewers had a lot of hard hit balls. So I don't yeah. know if that makes you feel better. And at those all, four but... hard hit balls turned into it was that the Yelly double play. Uh, there was a line the liner, out. At yeah, yeah, the liner where he jumped. Um, was it Sw- Swanson made a bunch of real? I, yeah, Swanson. I think Swanson, Swanson, Swanson is just plays, very so. underrated. Yes. Um, I don't know if that makes you feel better about them like evening this series, Derek, but I felt like watching that game. I know the fifth inning not scoring is like the game, but I also felt like they had some good at bats. That's not really a consolation. I know. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I think well, well struck balls generally do make you feel a little better about a struggling team. They're not up there flailing helplessly and failing to make any sort of hard contact, but uh, I actually am concerned about Eric Lauer in this case. You know, I think the Brewers can get a couple of runs, but can Eric Lauer do enough to keep Atlanta's offense quiet? Like that to me is the bigger concern on the Brewers side. Is this pitching path going to work in this game? Go, going to the, the B side of your staff initially at least. Is that going to work with your season on the line? Who do they, who do they bring in when they pull him out if it's if it's not yeah. going well? Uh, uh, well, a couple couple thoughts. Oh, I, I didn't throw my thoughts on on Morton. I would actually throw Enoa as the starter and use Morton to finish if it's through four through five and you have a lead. Because I'd rather have Morton because then on you full can have rest Morton full rest in game, game five. Mm. Then I think yeah. Enoa is good enough where you can at least let him go through the lineup once, maybe get him through twice, and then see, finish see it off what with the Morton. score is. That's that's how I would be thinking about it if I were in their shoes, rather than use Morton and then piggyback Enoa uh, off of them. For the Brewers uh, behind Lauer, I mean, since Hauser went yesterday, we're not going to see him. I, I think it's a mix. It's probably going to be some Ashby in there. Maybe you get Woodruff on his throw day as a, as a, for yeah. an inning. Like that's a possibility. That's a good point. 
And that's from yeah. Steve Jazul, but yeah, that totally makes sense that Woodruff could at least be available for one if you need him to get there. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a patchwork, messy situation behind Lauer if Lauer has any trouble early. But I think Ashby might end up being kind of important today. Yeah, maybe your boy Hunter Strickland. Never. Oh, God. I, they, they know. They know he's not good. Like, they, they know they don't want him to pitch in DVR any sort of critical the TV spot. Off. They lost. Like, <laughs> he's so angry. Like, I'm going to go take Hazel for a walk and listen on the radio because I, I'm too angry. But, uh, all right, does this one go five? I love that. I love listening on the radio. You want to know why? Because you're getting the, the home announcer still. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least I am on my MLB like app. Is that everybody? Um, and, and Bob Uecker is pretty funny, that. actually. Uh, yeah, Uecker's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> We've been actually listening to him with uh, with the TV on, but it's it's annoying because they're not synced up. Oh, come on. Uh, that's that's fixable. But is this series going five? We're going back to Milwaukee? I hope so. I want a five. I'm in that position uh, that I found my like six-year-old in where he's lying about something and we're all mad at him and he's just going to keep lying. <laughs> just dig himself deeper of a hole so yeah brewers are gonna win all right all right well we're all in the brewers so uh, <laughs> get those uh get those tickets in quickly on atlanta to uh, close it out today because that's probably the the more likely outcome if we're all in agreement on an outcome let's go to the giants dodger series i said yesterday i couldn't really imagine a script in which the Giants would win. <laughs> then you Alex imagined Wood, it. <laughs> Max Scherzer matchup, and then it happened. And Alex Wood pitched really well. Tyler Rogers got in, pitched well. Camilo Duvall on the biggest of stages with a six-out save. I, I had put this on the rundown for yesterday. We didn't even talk about it. Duvall, just based on how they used him earlier in the series, very clearly in Gabe Kapler's circle of trust. Now everybody is fully aware and on board with that. And... There's one pretty amazing thing about this game at the end, of course, because of the windy conditions at Dodger Stadium. I think Gavin Lux actually homered off of Camilo Doval and the wind just made it a long out. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what actually happened in terms of batted ball type and pitch location. Statcast numbers backed that up. I think it had an XBA of like 890. But the Gavin Lux game tying home run didn't happen, and here we are with the Giants having a chance to finish this series in four. Which, I, wow! I got a I got a DM from Max Bay, who's who's on here. Shout out Max Bay, um, saying that uh, the eight ninety XBA does not account for uh, temperature, uh, wind, or spray angle. So it doesn't. Um, so you know. If that was like down the line that, you know, or or center center, uh, that matters a lot. So all of those three of those things worked against Lux. It was cold. The wind was blowing in and he hit it to the deepest part of the park. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's some great comments. Somebody else asked uh, if the Yankees Cleveland was the bug was the bug game. Is this the wind game? I, I think you guys. I don't know if you guys had this oh, thought the too. Is, is this on a level of midges? Yeah. I don't know. Longo's like, homer Max, still went out. It Which still must was, have been just like, hammered, by the way, if that got out. That's true. You kind of knew the wind was going to be a factor in this game from the jump. Like, Max Scherzer <laughs> fell on his first pitch. You could kind of give you an idea of, like, what was going You're like, oh, okay, this wind is going to play a role here. Are right? We- like, you heard everyone talking about it. You, you just kind of knew it was going to come down to some kind of 
wind factor. You could see it. it you could. I, I, I'm I'm getting into this. That's almost on the midges level because you could see their pants, right? You could see yeah. their like like the, you could see their pants like you know in the wind. We we're up here in Northern California, and our umbrellas fell over, and like you know, it was it was a really windy day in California. So I, I I'm getting around on this midges the wind game. It um, was it was strange. My deck chairs moved and. I haven't felt wind here in the couple months that I've been in this area. So Everyone's things were definitely strange up. on the West Coast yesterday. Yeah. But, and but I saw some comments earlier saying that Scherzer had a bad game. No, I think that was no, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, okay. Someone's right. He got blown off the mound. And that, that's what I mean. Like that first first pitch. And you saw him make some adjustments because he's great, right? You saw him like kind of struggle early on in the first inning, kind of fighting some things, figuring out how to pitch with the wind. I'm sure it happened on both sides. Uh, but honestly, if you're the Giants, if you're a Giants fan, what do you take out of that game is that Longoria maybe could be getting hot because he had two hits in his previous 40 at-bats. So if Longoria can heat up here a little bit, and he's been pretty abysmal, as I said, um, I don't know. I'm the only one on this panel who thought that the Giants might win. I he's, still think the Giants might win. He's the uh, eight hitter when he's in. So it's pretty amazing if he's going to be good. Uh, you know, and there's an argument, uh, a numbers argument for that possibly being the case because he was hurt. And so this is like now mm-hmm. right around two to three weeks after being hurt, which is what hitters say is, is how long it takes to get their timing back. So he could just be like sort of getting back on, begging his legs back under him after he was out for a really long time with a hamstring, I think, or an oblique. Yeah. Remember, was it nine or 10? Remember that one postseason him and BJ Upton went absolutely nuts. I think it was, I think it was 10. Might've been 10. It was not, I was in Tampa Bay in 08 and in nine, I don't think they were good. Might've been 10. Someone in the chat can correct me, but um, he's had some really good postseasons in the past. And I just think if you look at this team and we talked about how they kind of can be susceptible to left-handed starters, how Longoria hasn't been very good. Well, if he's going to put together some at-bats and also similar to the Braves, the Giants made some really good defensive plays too. Uh, there's good defensive oh, plays man. on both sides. That Crawford like, jump, woo! Yes. Yeah, that was incredible. But He's 34 years old. Hard, yeah, there were some really, really good plays. And I think in the postseason, more than anything, and this is why I think the White Sox are kind of done for many reasons, but like if you can steal those outs, it's such a momentum changer, right? If you can make these plays that just completely kill the other team's momentum, like, great, where are we going to hit it now? Because they keep catching the ball everywhere. Um, I think defense in these games is even more important. It's even more magnified when you're looking for anything to shut up the home crowd or to get some momentum on your side. Um, these defensive plays do it. They, they really do. Yeah. That's the, that's the good, that's what bad defense and good, de- like bad defense, like creates a rally, you know, lengthens a rally mm-hmm. for sure. And good defense. You saw Scherzer was so pissed in the dugout. <laughs> I love, I love watching him, man. He's, I was trying to explain my family's like, what, like, I was like, this guy's crazy. And they're like, what? And I, mean, I, I was like, I, he's really intense. Just look at him. And they're like, you mean his eyes? I don't know. And I'm like, no, just look at him. And like, <laughs> you know, even when he's lining up a pitch and he's just like, you know, he's just like, he's just talking and spitting. And it, he's terrifying. He's terrifying. He's terrifying. Try interview him, him post game after he doesn't have a good start. I mean, yeah. he is, he is in. 
terrifying. I can't yeah. imagine that would be a comfortable place to be, but uh, it was jarring seeing him on a commercial, which was really cool because he was just, he was calm. I was like, <laughs> yeah, right. He doesn't have his usual intensity. That's like, Max he, Scherzer at I home. wish he had brought that intensity. <laughs> I wish they would have got him to do the shoot for the commercial after a game <laughs> and just had him just juiced up. That would have been amazing. We need Mad Max. <laughs> We do, yeah. and uh, Trevor pointing out, if you're judging the wind by the blowing of the pants, good thing Walker Bueller wasn't pitching. That actually, I thought about that too. So I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought about that. Like, actually, we wouldn't we wouldn't know what, what the wind was doing because Walker Bueller is not uh, not wasting fabric. Neither out there. the time nor the place. Is that what he I said? I loved it. When someone asked him about that, I love it. <laughs> and then he walked off the podium. <laughs> Why are your pants so tight? Uh, <laughs> In uh, in Baltimore, one year, Ty Wigington yelled, at, screamed at Jake Arrieta as he has taken too long between pitches. Throw the ball, tight pants. It's like one of my favorite, like favorite little in-game comments. There was some the game within college, the game. There was some college football game where uh, a, a a coach got kicked out of the game. The head coach got kicked out of the game because he threw his. Um, What's it? What, your your note, like your notepad or whatever. Your play chart. Yeah, what, but it's yeah. on something harder. What's it? The hardest thing it's on. Clipboard. You know yeah, clipboard. He <laughs> threw his clipboard at a fan in the stands because the fan in the stands said, "You're worrying too much about how tight your pants are and not how to call this game." <laughs> I mean, you can't get rattled that easily. If you're coaching and you hear that and that gets you to react, you're, you've lost your focus. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A question here from Connor. Speaking of Bueller, should he go tonight? Dodgers still, I think, are a TBD, at least at last glance, as of just after noon here on Tuesday. Anthony Descofani lined up for the Giants. What do the Dodgers do here facing elimination with their pitching? What makes the most sense? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think you throw Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> you yeah, throw I think Bueller. you throw Bueller. You do? You, you got to get to game five. And then who do you go to? Like, you only go for him for a couple, like once through the order, twice through the order? As far as he can go. 
as far as he can go. Because uh, he's not well, going to go could, in game five. You could get creative. You could get creative, I guess, right? Because, like, Urias, wouldn't it be his throw day? Yeah. So, could you get an inning or two out of him? So, who starts game five, then? Who am I thinking of? Scherzer? Well, you'd have an off day. Yeah, we'll so, an off day, but no, it's not going to be Scherzer, because it'll be Thursday. No, could it, who was game, we'll do, we'll do who one the game on two starter? Maybe two. Yeah, who's, who, who's game two? Who was the game? Was it Urias? No. Yeah, who was the two starter? Yeah, was Urias. you wouldn't want to throw Urias, Urias yeah. then. You'd be Why? holding Urias. You couldn't throw him for an inning? But you want to hold him for game five. No, you, you, Urias would start game five. You don't use Urias today. He pitches yeah. game five. That is that is the absolute clear plan. So I think you'd push Bueller on short rest, go as far as you possibly can, and then bullpen, a bullpen as much as you have to, to try and get the win. That's 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 the way it works. Yeah. I don't know. The Red Sox used their game five start, their Pavetta, or game four start, or whatever it was. I guess it depends. They need to win today's game and then worry about thought, right? Like... Yeah, I think it's Jason nice you want to hold a guy back. It, it's everyone. See everyone but Scherzer. But yeah. Scherzer yeah. and Urias may be in the right circumstances, but you really want to have Urias ready to go for five. Because if you're throwing everybody at the problem today, having Urias limit the number of tired. Yeah, because then all of a sudden it'll be a bullpen game for you in five then. Right. Yeah, but if you get to five, you can probably go a couple innings of Scherzer because it would be a throw day. You can kind of like piece. You can get real creative. I don't know. Scherzer on his throw day. He's going at least three on his throw day. Oh, he, to no, throw he totally is. That's what I mean. I mean, I watched this guy in February throw like 50, 60 pitch bullpens. Everyone else is doing like a light touch and feel because it's the first bullpen of spring training. This guy's yelling names out like Acuna and like counts and grunting. So, wait, what? You guys, I mean, yeah. He's I, crazy. He's a crazy so he's, crazy. so he's mentally like, picturing the players he's going to face during the oh, season yeah. on his side sessions and just like, wow. Haven't you also seen him it, before the games? He'll like, go, he'll get stand on the mound without a ball and like, and yes. do, and like do this thing where he's like pretending he's got a ball. And Does like it in just, the outfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He visualizes Amazing. it. He wears full uniforms too. It could be a hundred degrees. <laughs> In the middle of DC summer, and he's full bull, full uniform um, for his bullpen. So he's a different breed. So yeah, I think you use everybody but Scherzer today, and then I, as you guys said, like Scherzer would probably go. He'd pitch till his arm fell off if it meant that they could advance. Mm-hmm. So all right, well before we go, we need predictions. Do the Giants close out the Dodgers tonight? Or are we getting a game five in this series? We're getting a five. Give the people what they want. We're getting a five. I think it's definitely going five. Eno? Why did I I picked in the betting picks? I picked the Giants. Like what? Why I guess you're I stuck that? on the Giants. That's that's the pick. You yeah. only get one. I thought it would be uh, <laughs> okay. He? I'm just explaining. I'm ex- no. I'm explaining my betting pick because I'm. I think it'll go five. I thought it would be. They made me put that in before the game yesterday. Oh, so early. I thought. The Dodgers might win last night because I had, you know, Max Scherzer. Like, I thought the Dodgers were going to win last night. And I thought the Dodgers would then throw a bullpen game today in order to have everyone ready for game five. So that's, I'm explaining that. Now that they lost last night, I think they win tonight. All right. El Capitano, 2109. Does Scherzer also yell out names of all time greats? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be pretty wild. Uh, Kelly Jason. Clarkson. 
Oh uh, yeah, like that. That's, that's, awesome. <laughs> that, that's just weird. Uh, last uh, last comment from the stream, Jason. My brain says five, but I haven't been right about the Giants all year. Yeah, every time I thought it was going to unravel on them or that things were finally going to you know, turn back into a pumpkin, they haven't. Last so, night did not seem like a game the Giants were going to win. No, no, it, it didn't. I mean, I'm sure like, mathematically it was probably 35% or something going in based on money line. It, it, it just didn't seem like it was going to happen, and it did. And now they, they've got the Dodgers on the brink, and I'm I'm excited to watch this. Yeah, yeah. Same. Like if you could come back, you, if you could have told us yesterday that Scherzer was going to pitch seven with with one earned run, you'd be like, "Yeah, Dodgers won." Mm-hmm. Well, before we go, just a quick reminder: you can get fifty percent off a subscription if you're not already a subscriber to the Athletic at theathletic.com/slash/slash/rates-and-barrels. Tons of great stories each and every day on playoff teams and on non-playoff teams too. So you might be enjoying the postseason, but your team may have been sent home, or maybe even never got there in the first place. We're still covering them, breaking down all the things they might do over the course of the offseason on Twitter. He is at Eno Sarah. She's at Brit underscore Droli. I am at Derek from Iper. The pod actually does have a Twitter account. It's not active all the time, but at Rates and Barrels. If you want to give that a follow. And if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to barrel up on that like button. That is going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.